The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Fuck your meta. I just want elves to be good, right? If you ever make one of those, you can tell me how your other playgroup likes it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Tatiova's mine. If you look at the popper band list, about half of it is storm cards. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel, and we're here to talk magic. How you doing today, Matt? Not so bad. How are you? Doing pretty good. I uh, have got a really kind of big week ending for me. So I was thinking about it the other day. I don't have to work the next couple weekends, and I get to keep my fat paychecks because I worked last weekend, which goes on this paycheck. And then I worked this Monday, which is a holiday, which goes on next paycheck. So I get to take me a couple weekends off and still reap the benefits of extra money in my pocket. Got plenty of money for those uh, Ragavans you need to pick up. I am not buying Ragavans, especially after the, we won't talk about it too much, but the we've had some preliminaries firing on MTGO with people having God accounts. And there's a lot of Ragavan. I don't know if Watsi's going to like seeing that. So what do you want to talk about today, Jake? Well, I think we should start with what we always start with. Let's take a peek at the local, or I shouldn't say local, but the MTGO metagames of Modern and Legacy, since we are primarily a Legacy and Modern podcast. So why don't you start us off with Legacy today? Sure. So uh, over the weekend, there was a Legacy Super Qualifier, which is one of the bigger events you can have in Legacy. It uh, looks like a pretty heavy Delver Delver or Tempo? Because you got to be careful now. Yeah, right? I should say. It looks like a pretty heavy Tempo, blue-red, uh, basically blue-red Delverless Delver meta game. First place was uh, Mono Blue uh, Emery. We talked about this deck last week. Mm-hmm. Thoughtcast, Echo Aeons, a bunch of zero mana artifacts. Oh, speaking of what we talked about last week, I want to toss a thanks to, I didn't write your name down, uh, Redditor, but thank you for letting us know that Dragon Rage Channeler pairs really well with Predict. It does. A super obvious thing that we completely missed. Yep, you get that surveil trigger. Oh, look, it's Brainstorm on the top. I'm going to go ahead and put that back. Predict Brainstorm, kick it out. So, uh, Although I'm not sure how often you'd want to be kicking Brainstorm off the top of your deck. We felt pretty stupid, so thank you, Reddit, for helping us uh, learn from our mistakes. Yeah, I mean, you got to basically crowdsource magic. That's pretty much how it's done now. Nobody's going to see literally every single interaction and... We aren't perfect. Yep. Far from it. Yeah, for sure. So, so, so sorry just, to interrupt you, but that reminded yeah, me. Yeah, just like, one simple little, hey, yeah. this, and this is what we want. We we love feedback. We love hearing from for you sure, guys. For sure. So, you know, if you have anything, if you're like, you know, you forgot that weird interaction, just uh, message us. <laughs> happy to be corrected. Yeah, by all means, happy to be told how uh, dumb we are. Yep, happens all the time. <laughs> so continue with your top yep. eight. Then you got second, uh, blue, red, Again, it's hard to not call it Delver, but Blue Red Delver. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all, everybody knows what that does. Deck does. Jeskai Standstill's next, using uh, Urza Saga. Mm-hmm. That's another Ragavan deck. Pretty- is it running Ragavan? Are they running yeah. Ragavan Standstill? Yep, sure are. It's, just- it's one of five creatures. You got four Ragavans in a Murktide region. It's just the best turn one you can do. I pretty guess. much. Yeah. Next, you got uh, Miracles. Good to see that. I'm happy to see. It. What what variation? So we've got uh, Bant Miracles this okay. time around. So again, Jake and I were talking about this earlier. Basically. Where Legacy stands now is if you want to be playing what we what I call a fair game of magic where, you know, we're going to go back and forth mm-hmm. trading on cards, you pretty much either need to be playing Ragavan or playing Uro. Yeah. 
Those are, when we say fair, the idea is if you are paying for your spells, that, that we're going to call that fair magic and legacy. Yeah, basically. Something that wouldn't be fair would be like reanimator, where you're, say, casting a one mana reanimate to get Grizzlebrand. Yep, or, you're cheating on the mana there, hence hence the term fair versus, you know, you cheat on mana, yeah. that kind so, of thing. If you're playing fair, if you're going to cast the spells in your hand, you're probably playing Ragavan. If you're not playing Ragavan, you probably should be playing Uro. Yeah, one of those two. Yep. I mean... Then again, I don't want to sit here and say we're experts. We know every deck, but I mean, just looking at the numbers, that's yeah. what's going on. These are the, I mean, this is the top 32 of the, probably one of the biggest tournaments for Legacy so far this year. Yep. And, you know, because this is 50% of the meta game. is This feeds right into what is essentially the Pro Tour now. Yeah. I mean, the Pro Tour has been renamed or is dead, but what is the premier tournament structure of the year? This feeds into that. Yep. So right. people brought their A game here. This is people are playing for serious money. Yeah. And I mean, you can tell, I mean, the, We'll get to it, but there's a couple big names on the list. So after Miracles, we got another blue-red Delver deck. Then Doomsday, which is Jake and I have talked for a while that Doomsday is secretly the best deck in mm-hmm. Legacy, but it's just incredibly difficult to pilot. Yep, I agree with that. I think Then another I... blue-red Delver deck. And then we got uh, Bryant Cook getting the top eight with uh, Four Color Storm. That's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I was excited to see that. And the deck is really interesting as well. Like, I'm not a big Storm player, but... I mean, just seeing cards like Orum's Chant get me excited gets me excited. What's Orum's Chant do? So Orum's Chant is a very old card. It's from uh, I think Plane Shift. It's one white for an instant. It's got Kicker of one white, and then uh, its target player can't split, can't play spells this turn. And if you paid the Kicker, creatures can't attack this turn. So if you're about to go off, you Orum's Chant somebody so they cannot interact mm-hmm. with your combo, and then you Storm off. So it's got other uses too. But... Is that just strictly better than Silence? Silence uh, is a one mana instant for one white that target player can't cast spells this turn. Yeah, probably. And that just has the added on kicker of if you need to, you can throw in to prevent that lethal attack. Yeah, it's been it's seen a lot of play with uh, Isochron Scepter. So you put it on there and just Good every luck. turn you pay two mana and on, on your upkeep, you can't cast spells. Is that an instant? Yes. So Orm's Chance really cool. It's just a lot of these cards are just kind of cool. Uh, again, I'm not a huge Storm player, but it's just interesting to see. Cards like Prismatic Ending and Abrupt Decay in the sideboards of a Storm mm-hmm. deck. So yeah. you just, you know, you gain a lot of flexibility with four colors. So, and it's it's hilarious to me that Scrubland is in the top eight. <laughs> the dual land that That's... even recently cost $100. Not anymore, but, you know, the recent time of dual lands being expensive, Scrubland kind of evaded that at $100-ish, and now it's probably up to $300. Yep. So if we go through our numbers here, uh, Blue-Red Delver's looking... At looking to be 31% of the top 32. Next is Lands, which, as we discussed last week, is a deck that tries to prey upon Delver. Mm-hmm. Got a very good Delver matchup. And we've got Standstill, which is another Ragavan deck, typically speaking, and uses Urza Saga as well. So it's trying to leverage those Modern Horizon 2 cards that we talked about. Uh, most played cards Ragavan, Dra- Dragon Rage Chandler, and Murktide Regent from Modern Horizons. Again, once again, three of the top ten most played cards. Most played cards. That's a little better than last week. We looked at the the most played creatures had those guys. I don't know if they were the top most played cards last week. Well, they are this week. And then those three. Three creatures as well. Top three creatures with Delver of Secrets being the four. So basically, we had a big tournament and everybody knew what was up. Mm-hmm. This is one of the biggest tournaments of the year. And so everyone showed up to play Blue Red Delver. There was a lot of people. We've talked about before. Either, either You're either here to play Blue Red Tempo. Or play against Blue Red Tempo. Correct. And I make the distinction because while I am super appreciative someone on Reddit reached out and let us know in a very polite way that like, hey guys, Dragon Rage Shining Predict works good. I don't want someone on Reddit to um, bash me in the comments saying, 
Um, there was only seven decks running Delver. Uh, the other blue red decks were not running Delver, so they're not blue red Delver. Right. Blue red tempo, and I I even throw in that Jeskai tempo is blue red is blue red tempo. So when I when I'm looking at we don't now we don't put those numbers together. We run the numbers as they are. But when I look at a breakdown, I I put those decks together in my head. Obviously, standstill's not, but Jeskai tempo and blue red tempo are blue red Delver. Pretty much. I mean, again, we've discussed this before. Again, you're gonna you're gonna give up a few points in the aggressive category yep. to gain a few points in the just card quality category. Well, it's like all about ending. when Delver start trying to beat Delver, yep. weird things yep. happen. Yep, exactly. So you're going to, you're going to try to, uh, you know, be the Delver deck that can beat Delver as opposed to just leaving it up. To, you know, I mean, if you playing a bring blue red Delver to a tournament, you know, again, 30% of your matches are going to be the mirror. Exactly. In a big tournament. And so, well, you want to get an edge, on that without yep. trying to sacrifice your core game plan you're going to splash another color that's you know white's very good against delver yep it might so. you might be able to sure up some of your bad matchups make some bad ones weaker but if you can trade one or two percentage points against other decks but gain five or six percentage points against 30 percent of the meta you are coming out ahead yep and that's what delver does a lot this is not a new thing we've seen where delver starts cannibalizing and mutating to beat delver because it becomes so prevalent. Yep. And to your point, uh, that exact thing, Jeskai Tempo, was 10th in this tournament. So even, you know, that barely. guy's... Yeah. Just barely missed out on the top eight. These... Some people are trying this strategy as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's... The meta is starting to move around Delver, and people are trying to find ways to beat Delver with Delver. And other things, obviously, lands is coming in. But we've got... We're seeing a lot of, like I said, play Delver or play to beat Delver. Not really where I want to see Legacy. Or alternatively, be Bryant Cook. Or be Bryant Cook. And if you don't know who Bryant Cook is, that's fine. Bryant Cook is the Storm guy. He's, he's arguably one of the best Legacy players in the world. And, I mean, he's up there with just Magic players in general. He gotta be. Because, like, I mean, he plays all. He plays modern. He plays vintage. He even plays Popper. I mean, yeah. He was a big fan of... He was playing a lot of Popper over the past several months. Yep. He played... Because uh, Storm was so big, he started playing Popper, Storm. Um, He played... And he was before Chatterstorm. He was actually playing Cycle Storm. Is that what he's playing? Yeah. Because I know he's he had something before, and I can't remember what it was. But yeah, yeah Brian he's Cook just the Storm is, guy. Brian Cook is a very if you get into Legacy and start looking at top eights and whatnot, he's a very well known name. He is an incredibly good player, and I'm not one bit surprised to see Brian Cook put up numbers. He could bring Zoo to Legacy and probably put up numbers. He's a very good player. Happy to I'm happy for him. I'm happy to see him. Top eight. I would have loved to see yep. him win because he never plays Blue Red Delver. Happy to see Brian Cook. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so Brian Cook has an aggressive hatred for Blue Red Delver, and he had that before MH2. I listened to his podcast, Eternal Glory, and he they had an episode talking about. It. He was very unhappy with how prevalent Delver was. This was many many weeks ago before uh, MH2 came out, and it was it's funny. He yep. probably will never play Delver. Well, the funny thing, you and I have had this conversation quite a bit, but to me, one of the reasons why Delver, if we want to go, you know, a couple layers deep, one of the reasons why Delver is so powerful or so popular, I should say, obviously with Modern Horizon 2, the calculation changes a little bit, but it gets to basically play the Cantrip Cartel, Mm -hmm. our namesake, and it has a good combo matchup. And the problem a lot of legacy players have is they don't like showing up to a tournament and having the odds of them losing on turn two be very high. Yep. So they want to play a force of will deck and blue red. You can either go, you know, with something you can play combo yourself. Mm-hmm. You can play one of the miracles uh, variations or you can play Delver. 
But if you don't want to lose the combo on turn one or turn two, you're playing Force of Will. Yep. And that leaves you with basically three or four decks to choose. Yeah. And Delver's just it's just very popular for that reason. It gives people a lot of uh gives people a lot of agency. Yeah. A lot of decisions. A lot of decisions. It's fun to play, which is I mean, that you know, that's subjective, but it does give the player a lot of agency. Yeah. The problem is a lot of people mistake agency for they think a deck with a lot of agency means it's a good deck. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. Nope. But in Delver's case, it certainly is a very powerful yeah, deck. That Delver is Delver is the confluence of agency and power. Yeah, where you just you have a bunch of cards and you can do whatever the heck you want with yeah. them. Yeah, you could totally build a deck that's full of choices, and none of them matter at the end of the day because it's not powerful enough. Right. Delver is the opposite. Delver is a deck full of choices, and they all matter and incredibly important. And they really test your skill as a Magic player. That's when I first got into Legacy. Matt talked to me about how. Delver is the deck you play when you're very good at magic because it allows you to make the most of your skill. Right. Whereas some combo decks, while certainly are skill testing, no deck in Legacy is not skill testing. Yeah. Uh, there are just overall often less decisions and less skill requirement to play your fast combo decks versus your Delver decks. Yep. You don't you don't get the opportunities to outplay your opponent playing something like show and tell that you do with Delver. Yeah. Delver gives you the opportunity. Now the more flip side of that is I would say show more and tell opportunities. Yeah. Show and tells gives you the opportunity to just win games for free. Yep. And there, uh, there is, but there's an upper limit to that, but playing show and tell, you definitely have chances to out like show and tell has a terrible matchup against Delver. It still beats Delver. Like you as a, a good show and tell player, a good storm player can totally outplay Delver. Yep. As we just, you discussed. definitely get the option to, you get the opportunity the argument we're making is that Delver gives you more opportunities to flex your skill in Legacy over opponents. Yep, and the flip side of that is true as well. If you don't know your matchups, you're going to lose a lot of games that you mm-hmm. should win with Delver. Yep. And, I mean, I Delver's kind of my backup deck. Like, I've had Blue-Red Delver built for three or four years now, I think. In fairness, you do not have Blue-Red Delver built. Well, I had it. <laughs> <laughs> Until Wizards decided to make me, you know, spend $600 for non-reserve list stuff in order to upgrade my deck. I think Matt still needs his steam vents. <laughs> no, I have steam vents. It's the volcanic, it's the fourth volcanic island that I'm missing. Just buy a third steam vent. They're basically the same. Yeah. What's the difference? But uh what was I gonna say? I lost it. You interrupted me, Jake. And I'm like, it's all for a good joke. Shouldn't have been that important. When we're talking later, I'm sure it'll come up. Yep. So pop over to modern. Yeah. Take sure. a look at some of the modern metagame. How's modern looking? I think modern looks great. So looking at the challenges from Saturday and Sunday. We've got, uh, we'll start with start with the Saturday one, because that's usually the lower power one. We've got Living End, followed by Hammer Time. Legit Burn. I yep. was really happy to see just um, Red White Burn, Swift Spears, and Lightning Helixes, and Bolts. Is that, not guides. That, no, not Bolts. Uh, is there Bolt Lightning Modern? Bolt. Yep, yeah, Lightning okay. Bolt. I can lightning Bolt, I, Lava Spike. I can remember if they had Bolt or Chain Lightning. They Probably don't, Skewer. They don't have Chain Lightning. They don't have Chain Lightning. They have Bolt. Uh, skewer the Critics. I will look. A lot of, it's one with Spectacle. Which oh, I know it's very I know easy. what the critics is. Yeah, yeah, it's, you always have it. Um, twenty nine spells. Yeah, spikes, bolts, uh, shard volley. Yep, kind of cool. Little miniature fire blast. Um, uh, yep, skewer. Yep, four critics. So that's four critics taking your chain lightning spot because it's basically chain yep. lightning. But yeah, I mean, arguably, is skewer the critics a sorcery? Yeah. Yep. So it basically, is. Yep. Uh, but I guess it can't be turned back on you. Yeah, but that means you can't turn it back on them for the second time. Oh, that's true. <laughs> But anyway, burn. Uh, is it control? Jund control? I'm assuming control. Jund is some kind of control. Mid range deck. 
Indomitable Creativity, there's your combo. Demir Mill, which we've seen Mill a couple times in the top eight. It's powerful. I think Tasha's Hideous Laughter really yeah, that's, brought that deck into its own. And I, Mill's one of those things where, like, if you asked any serious Magic player 10 years ago if Mill was going to be a, like, dedicated Mill was oh, ever going joke. to be. Yeah, I mean. Mill's a joke. Mill's, what Mill does is it goes, I'm going to play a burn deck and my opponent's going to have 60 life. 100%. And I'm going to have slightly better lightning bolts. That's what that deck does. Now, traditionally speaking, if you wanted to mill your opponent out, it has been the case where you could use something like Millstone as a finisher for a control deck Mm -hmm. or just, you know, end of your turn, mill two. I'm going to put you in some sort of like lock with like Kismet, Stasis, something like that, and and just mill you you out every turn. That's how you break the parity. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to be playing the game. You're going to be milling three cards a turn. I'm going to get you eventually. Yep. But that's not really what people consider mill decks where you're aggressively attacking. We've moved much more into the into turbo mill. Yeah. So eight crabs, Hedron (laughs) crab and ruin crab. So it's using the, is that the the snow covered ones when they enter the battlefield? Um, No, no. Hedron crab. Ruin Crab is Hedron Crab, but you don't get to choose. Oh, okay. It's only your opponent. Otherwise, it's the exact same. And then pushes, surgicals, uh, counter spells, drown. So a lot of control and magic here because you're not really committing creatures to the board to. Yep. Um, well, yeah, and to you surgical away their best threats. Of. Oh, look, I hit one of your, you know, uh, combo pieces. It's gone. Tasha's Hideous Laughter is one of the biggest ones I picked up. It's one blue That's blue. Mill until they hit land? No. Tasha's Hideous Laughter is one blue blue. Each opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until that player has exiled cards with total mana value 20 or more. Yeah, that's... So, Eldrazi be damned. Yep. Nothing is shuffling back in from Tasha. And some of your lower curve decks like Hammer Time... Well, a perfect example would be Burn. Yeah, Burn. It it hits over a third of your deck a lot. And you start rolling through lands and one drops. So, it also has Fractured Sanity, which blue, 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 each opponent mills 14 cards. And cycling for one in a blue, so in case you need to hit your land up or whatever. But still, yep. 14 cards for three mana is pretty good. Um, Tasha's Hideous Laughter quite often hits more than that. Not always. And then some other stuff. But As, this uh, is legit I haven't looked at the list lately. Is uh, Glimpse the Unthinkable still playable? It was basically, it was two mana for ten cards. I'm not seeing it. Okay, gotcha. Is it? And not so the spells. Um, we've got Archive Trap, Tasha's Power crept out, basically. That's cool. Crypt Incursion. Exile all cards from target player's graveyard. I wonder what that's for. That's what we used to do back in the day. Would be uh, glimpse and then twin cast it. That's almost certainly for um, either endurance or your Olama or your Eldrazi or the other thing I would say is it's also really good main board tech against uh, Cascade. Yeah, that's actually a pretty solid. When they're gonna, they're, it's three mana, so their turn three, they're gonna cast their Cascade spell uh, in response. Your creatures can be gone. Surgical, fatal push. Yeah, beyond is the ancestral recall. Draw a card if a, yep. If it has twenty or more, draw three cards. Yep. So just ancestral, most of the time. Yep. And that card's Oddly been around enough, for a while. That's another one. I've a real non-bow with Tasha's hideous laughter, but still, <laughs> and obviously, it's a pretty good card. Yep. Yep. Just like Treasure Cruise, uh, ancestral recall is good enough to jump through a few hoops for. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, rounding out that in the eighth place was Crashing Footfalls. So gotcha. another good tempo deck. Yep. And then on the Sunday challenge, we had Is It Tempo, Hammer Time, Jund. Four color mill again. Is it tempo? Good old zoo. Oh, yep. This a, it's we're back to seeing we've got zoo a and, domain deck. Yep, domains here and here and alive, guys. I've been a very vocal critic of some of the things modern has done in the past, but I find it hard to complain about a format where burn and zoo can yeah. top eight challenges. Top eight challenge back to back. Yeah, you know, like that's okay. Cool. You've won me over. Yeah. <laughs> You've won me over. There's plenty to do here. There's you, control, combo, aggro, tempo. I'm buying into modern. Okay. Are you ready to buy into modern with me? I might. Especially with some of these spoilers we got, right? 
potentially. Yeah, we're getting into those soon. Um, so blue, white control, and then blue, black, red. Uh, what was that? I said. What would I? I looked at that. And said that was, it was thing in the ice. Yeah, blue, bl- blue, black, red. A thing in the ice deck. So lots of control, lots of counterspell, lots of killing, and then trying to get a thing in the ice out. Running Luris as his companion. So lots of yep. recursion when needed. That is. There has been some criticism leveled at Modern that a lot of these decks are Luris decks. Yeah. So a lot of those you know, we looked at of, were. You know, half of the top sixteen yeah. will be Luris decks, and that's one of those things. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, obviously, having one card carry these archetypes, it. I don't like having things be that homogenized. Yeah. But it is also creating a format where domain and burn can be good. Yeah. It, so, like, I don't. It, I don't know how I feel. It clearly that. isn't controlling the meta. It is a lot there, but it's not. It seems like it it's, over. It seems like Loris is giving a big enough boost to what we would call like tier two strategies. Yeah. To make it maybe be worth a little bit of homogenization as far as just having a Luris deck. At least right now. Yes, where it's just like, yeah, I mean, a lot of people play Luris, but people are playing Zoo. People are playing Burn, Mill. I mean, they're like, it's not just the kind of fake diversity that Modern has had for the past few years where it was very linear strategies. You've got every major archetype is represented in the top 16 of these. Like, this is yeah, we are all probably the, the best metagame I've seen in Modern since the Splinter Queen. It looks fun. It makes me really want to play it. I think modern looks fun. I think if you're, I think if you're on the fence of looking to get into modern, I think it's a great time. Modern yeah. looks fun. Modern looks, I mean, relatively cheap. I think Hammer Time's not terribly expensive. I know Burn's not expensive. We're seeing relatively cheap decks put up good numbers. You do not have to be running four Force Negations to be doing good. Not at all. So like modern is still expensive. We're seeing some cheaper decks come in. The meta looks fun. My one caveat would be is I want to see this meta stable out and be like this for a little while. I don't want to see Modern Horizons 3 come out next year and completely destroy it again. So if we can get Unless, a year of in, course, caveat there, uh, Modern Horizons 3 can do whatever it wants to Modern or Legacy as long as Elves is playable in Modern. <laughs> disagree. <laughs> we need my wallet. Eight. Elves, Elves, Zoo, Burn, Elves, 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 Elves. So, <laughs> so every shred of credibility we had is now gone because everyone knows you're just here. Your metagame, I want to play Elves in Modern. It's been like five years. Yep, we're only four four (laughs) weeks in. Every week we talk about the meta this, the meta that. Let's look at the meta. Let's talk about, and Matt's over here like, fuck your meta. I just want Elves to be good, right? Can I get two more copies? A meta where Elves is good is a healthy meta. I disagree with that. Oh, that's totally true. In a vacuum, that's not true. That's absolutely true. I disagree. Agree to disagree. So since we can't agree on the metas, let's move over to spoilers. This is what everyone's talking about. This is the only thing people care about in Magic right now. It's spoiler season. We're back to Innistrad, one of the canonically most powerful sets in Magic. And one of the most popular. I mean, and, the first Innistrad yes. set is incredibly popular, yes. which is, you know, why there's so much hype, hype for this. Yeah, people went crazy when they heard about Innistrad. People love vampires. It's it's Halloween. People yeah, the, are, the timing's great. perfect. The art is great. I think a lot of the alternate art is great. The lands look great. Yep. So... Let's talk about spoilers. We've each picked out a couple cards we're interested in. I want to go first. Okay, you can go first. I'm going first because mine ties in so well. So speaking of elves in modern. One of the things elves is really missing in modern to really power it forward be like glimpse of nature. Correct. I feel like elves in modern just needs glimpse to really push forward into a higher tier deck. How about Rite of Harmony? It's one green and one white for an instant. Whenever a creature or enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. That sounds like glimpse. Until end of turn. And it's got flashback, 
for four. So, while it's clearly not as powerful as Glimpse of Nature, it's hard to expect something that would be printed yeah. that is as powerful as Glimpse of Nature. For sure. I don't necessarily agree with its place on the ban list. Maybe when it was banned, it was appropriate. I don't think it would be that big of a deal to unban it now. But, pretty close. Rite of Harmony is only one more mana. Yeah, they're not cast triggers or ETBs. So, I mean, there's you're losing a couple percentage points there, but it's very, sure. you know, it's not that big of a deal. But the flip side is there. it also hits for non-elves. And, I mean, so does Glimpse, but, like, one of the things I'm curious about, um, when I was playing Elves in Modern, a lot of times you would splash for, there was a couple of combos for like Infinite Life, something like that. There'd just be a couple one of since you were going to flood the board. Mm -hmm. You'd run, you know, you've got Court of Callings and uh, Collected Companies, so you've got some ways to like cheat stuff out or tutor stuff. Yep. I'm curious if you could potentially make that build and then have this as your, this is plan A, and then again, run, if this would be a good enough card to make Elves somewhat playable, and then since you're going to be in white already, you also run that combo again, like we used to. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited for this card. I have elves just sleeved up waiting for me to be able to play it. Like yep. it's one of the, I'm a legacy elves player. I want to play elves and ever I play elves and popper, which we'll talk about later. I'm very excited about this. Like if nothing else came out of Shadow or uh, the new Innistrad set, mm -hmm. I'm happy about this card. A tuned down Let's of just nature. See where it's at. Yep. And then the cool thing is this this is me living in like fantasy land. Let's say this card isn't good enough. Well, that kind of opens the door to talks about Glimpse of Nature. Like if this card isn't enough, then how obviously Glimpse is better. It only costs one, which a lot of people know. But since a lot of the people we talk to aren't, you know, experts in magic, you can't think of mana in linear terms. So something going from one mana to two is not one more mana. It's, it's twice as much mana. It's a big jump. It's a huge jump from one to two. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, again, cutting from two to one, if we're talking about going from this to Glimpse, that's a big deal. But if Elves is still unplayable with this, maybe we can start talking about giving some Elves some love. Yep. I was wondering if this is, if this is the door opening to maybe Glimpse or the bar slamming forever. Whereas, because if this is good, obviously Glimpse is never coming in, and which is fine, obviously, because yep. then Elves is good. But yeah, if this isn't good enough, that opens the door to be like, hey, guys, maybe we could take a step back and try Glimpse again. Right. So, yeah. And that's the thing. If this excited. is good enough, obviously, I was joking before. I don't want to see a meta of just Elves. Don't believe him. I would love to see a meta where consistently an Elf stacks makes top 32. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's doing in Legacy, and I still play it in Legacy. Legacy hasn't, or Elves hasn't, like, won a major tournament in a while. Like, there was a period where it was very strong, uh, basically, when it had Allosaurus Shepherd, but before Modern Horizons 2 came out. Yep. It was very strong. Um, it's still perfectly playable in Legacy, and I'm fine with that. Your deck is not, no one's deck is always going to be the best deck. Should it? Nor should it. I don't, I don't mind metagames adjusting anything like that. I want to play Elves in Modern. Most of the tools are there. This is a big step in the right direction. Yeah. That was that was a big pickup. I'll talk on some cards I think we could maybe see hitting Legacy. And the one that I'm the most excited for to potentially hit Legacy is Spectral Adversary. One in a blue for a flash flying 2-1. And it's this new cycle of cards that when it comes in, you kind of have this option to pay a multi-kicker and then get a reward based on it. So when it enters a battlefield, you can pay one in a blue any number of times. And when you do... 
When you pay this cost one or more times, put that many plus one plus one counters on Spectral Adversary, then up to that many other target artifacts, creatures, and or enchantments phase out. Now that second, that last bit where things are phasing out isn't bad, but it's not the best. But the idea that we have a two mana, two one flyer with flash that can scale with wherever we are in the game can be a very powerful end game threat for control decks. And so I could see this if you're playing blue white control or blue white red control, basically a non euro control, this could be a really good finisher. So, because, sorry. Go ahead. Is that, did that say it could phase out creatures? Artifacts, for, creatures, and or enchantments. So one out. of the things that I think is very interesting about that card is it makes a decent impression of Snapcaster Mage. One of the things that Snapcaster Mage is useful for is creating really bad blocking situations for your opponent. Mm -hmm. Like they attack you, you flash in a Snapcaster Mage, swords the big thing they were going to attack with, block with Snapcaster Mage, and you can, yep. you know, you can two for one them, basically. Or if you've you got a create, double attack, you yeah. could you could let them, or I say, uh, attack, they double block to ensure the kill. Yep. And Snapcaster then Snapcaster comes in and Snapcaster kills the one. one guy. You can create similar situations in the mid game with that card. Yeah. Because you can phase out the creature, you know, if they swing with a couple, phase out oh one of them, gosh. and then you've got an ambush viper we for have, the other. We have a whole new class of people who have to learn how phasing works. Yep. Although I guess Teferi, Master of Time, did handle with phasing, but phasing is this weird mechanic where essentially the card in question ceases to exist in its current state. In just the, It's not in exile. It's not in the graveyard it's just it's in the ether and it's then, like if you put a, a piece of paper on top yep. of it nothing changes about it until it phases back in. and then i believe the way it works is at the beginning of your next upkeep things phase in it's either i think it might be untapped might, I oh remember. i believe it's untapped um but, but regardless the they, point they would stands. phase in untap oh no they phase in in the same state they were in i think they don't enter the battlefield it's yeah you don't get triggers like to be so, honest i mean that's actually a it's not a perfect answer, but it's kind of a f decent fog against something like Uro. It can be. Yeah, just, it, it they don't get an ETB, you know. Yeah. I mean, he basically blocks Uro for a turn. You do it on the end of their, you do it at the beginning of their combat step. Yep, it's gone so they, until he the hasn't next got turn. An attack trigger. But he would have, he would, they do come in with haste. Yeah. Because, like, you know, yeah, he, he just comes if back. If your creature phases in that turn, he gets to attack. It's phasing's weird. Yeah. Obviously, if you're running it in kind of a, like a control shell, you're not going to be dropping it in the early game. Probably so you probably not. don't want three or four of these. But having it as a one or one yeah. or two of where you can get some real good value in the middle of the game. If you and, have to. And then beat face at the yeah. end of the game. It's a, it's a, I could see it being a good finisher. where you hold, You're doing that. You want to be able to hold up your counter spells on turn six, seven. You've got your six mana. They pass a the turn. They've got one card in hand. You kind of go for it. Dump six. Play it. Which another thing is you get to play it for two mana. If it resolves, that's when you choose to pay the extra cost. So if you, you know, play it and they throw a force of will in front of it, you are you, you get to keep the extra mana. You don't spend it. And then if they don't force a will it, you get to dump as much mana as you feel comfortable making it into a a four, three, or a, a five, six, or whatever. And you get you have a very serious in the air beater that can scale past the biggest problem right now, which is endurance and legacy. If you're going to be a, a, a weak flyer in the air, endurance is kind of your biggest fear yeah. being a three, four reach takes a lot of mana, but this can scale past it. And the option to scale past it is serious on top of, yeah, being able to in the mid game, if you have to come in and make blockers weird, put shenanigans, stabilize. If you just need to remove that Ragavan, whatever, yep. like 
options. This card gives options, and that's why it's I could see it being kind a, of a more aggressive Snapcaster Mage in those shells. Yeah, I could see it being. I'm curious if you, I don't know, player, but like a lot of, if you were running something like Monastery Mentor, which typically speaking is a little bit more of an aggressive build. Not always, but typically yeah. there's there are some builds that try to. The game doesn't isn't designed to go as long. They're exactly. not nearly as grindy because Monastery Mentor can take over the game in a turn. Yep. Two you, or three turns, the game is going to be moving towards being. I'm over. curious if you could if it would maybe fit take in that those place. shells. Because again, Snapcaster Mage is very good because it recycles prismatic ending and uh swords. Swords to plowshares. Yeah. This clearly doesn't do that, but it does something similar, not quite the same. Yeah. Generate some value in the middle of the game it can and yeah. then is way better at the end of the game than Snapcast. yeah it scales that's what made really struck with me is how well it scales cards that scale into the late game are just stupidly good especially usually. with flash yeah you don't have to commit eight mana on your main phase nope. to make this guy you know a yeah you can totally wait until matt finishes his turn you see what's going on if you get lucky and matt's bad at legacy he draws plays his, he is <laughs> he'll draw his one card play his land his hands empty and it's like well Cool. I feel safe. Yep. Know, so, which if you're playing Legacy and you're in that position, you've got five lands. If you draw a land, keep it in your hand. Yep. Make your opponent wonder what yep. you have. Pro tip. <laughs> yeah. Pro tip. Only empty your hand completely if it actually benefits you. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't need that land on the board, if it's just a land, keep it in your hand. Let your opponent think you might have a Force of Will or a Swords of Plowshares. So, the other one I want to talk about, because it's in the same cycle, the other one that I thought was a, an interesting card that could see play, maybe in Legacy. I think decent chance in modern is Intrepid Adversary. Mm-hmm. One in a white for a 3-1 lifelink. When, uh, when Intrepid Adversary enters the battlefield, you may pay one in a white, same as the other one, but in white, any number of times. You put that many Valor counters on it, and then creatures you control get plus one, plus one for each Valor counter on Intrepid Adversary, including himself. Other? Oh, wow. Yeah, creatures yeah. you control. So he's very strong. Yeah. So I, when com- I originally read him, I thought it, he was still going to be a three-one nope. life link with an answer. So he comes in as a three-one, and then yeah, he's a seven. <laughs> if you dump again, this is <laughs> yeah, probably late yeah. game. But if you dump seven or six mana into him, he's a five-three. Yeah. With and life I, link. I think the the trick there compared to the blue one is a three-one life link for two mana is pretty aggressively costed. Yes, that's a good card. So like that's one of those cards you're not going to feel bad about dropping that on turn two. Like if you've got you a way to, to clear the clear the way, yep. then absolutely drop him on turn two. You top deck him at the end of the game. I mean that card breaks parity. Like few cards I've seen that are just you know just white weenies. Oh my that's gosh. all. That, yeah. yeah, he's not. The, these are not white weenies. Trapping an anthem this powerful and again scaling this well. Yep. Onto a relative body three one. Like that's. I I think it has potential. Yeah, I mean glorious anthem costs three mana. Yep, right? and it's one. And it's one. This guy for four, four mana gives you plus one plus one and a all your two. creatures and a four two lifelink. Yep, serious, very serious. Yeah. Hey, you talk about those lifelink swings. You know, your opponent has a hard time attacking in now unless it kills you outright because the crackback is going to be serious and you're gaining life back. You have those eight point life swings where you're gaining four, they're losing four. That's huge. And that is interesting card design from my perspective. It creates fun situations. It's very powerful. It's not overbearing. Yep. Like it's caught. I mean, it's designed really well that it dies to most removal. Yep. So it's it's weak in that aspect, but it has the potential to be very powerful. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, if your glorious anthem died to lightning bolt, it. I mean, it already doesn't see play. It, I see less, but it's even yep. less play. Right. You want us uh, head over back to you? What do you got? All right. So, Jake and I both are pretty avid EDH players as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this set has. Quite a few cards that are interesting, but there's two that I'm really a big fan of. 
Uh, the first one is Gissa Glorious uh, Re or Resurrector. Two generic mana and two black for a 4-4 legendary human wizard. Uh, if a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. It's pretty good. That in and of itself is pretty solid in EDH. Yep. I mean, if you're talking about any sort, anything short of like serious competitive EDH, lots of creatures are going to be dying in a four-player game yeah. of Magic. So just that is good enough. Not necessarily good enough, but like that's a good card. That's a good start. Right. And, and stapling graveyard hate onto a creature is something I'm very excited to see as a deck builder. Especially with six more lines of text. Oh, wow. <laughs> Continue. So, at the beginning of your upkeep, put all creatures exiled with Gissa uh, onto the battlefield under your control. They gain decay. You know, so, you know what decay does? So, decay is a new mechanic. A creature with decay can't block. When it attacks, sacrifice it at the end of combat. Yep. combat. So, you get to reuse their creatures. Yep. Once. So, once. I, ideally Obviously, once. it's not, you know, it's not, per, it's not perpetual. Yep. They die. That's really, really fun. Like Really good, that, too. That can be a very obnoxious, mm -hmm. mid-level power deck. You just, I mean, people hate having their stuff stolen in EDH. Yes, they do. And you can now do it in black and blue. <laughs> so you just go, yeah. I'm going to play this. I'm going to fill it with mostly removal. You guys are just going to have everything you play killed, and I'm going to get it. Exactly. And think about, I mean... If we're playing Commander, everything does something on ETB. Yeah. And you get all those ETB triggers for free. And yep. so your removal spells are supposed to be one for one. The idea that I spend my Doomblade to kill your Sarah Angel, and that's that. Yep. But now when my Doomblade creates a Sarah Angel, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Especially that, if, I mean, what if... What if it kills something? Like, what if it kills your mold drifter? My correct. doom blade kills your mold drifter, that's and now the, I get mold drifter. That's an even better comparison. Is not the the bane slayer angel argument? It's the mold drifter argument that has been floating around for a couple years now with card design. So yes, killing your bane slayer angel and taking that's really cool. Killing your mold drifter is even better. Yeah, <laughs> the the ability to get to steal these triggers is pretty sweet. And uh, decayed is I don't think really that big that big of a keyword because they're not required to attack. And so you you can stockpile. Now, yep. obviously, if they if a board wipe hits or they die again, they go to the graveyard and it's whatever. But the ability that you could you could you could burn all your kill spells, create an incredible borsi on your side, and then do whatever you want with it. You become aristocratic and start sacking them for value because you didn't pay for them anyway. Yep. You could be an aggro deck where you start attacking and chipping people down. You could be a flicker deck, um, conjurer's closet and sundial the infinite pair phenomenally with this card. I mean, imagine if you go, I'm going to put three of your creatures back on my board. I'm going to attack you with them um, at the end of combat or end of turn. Is that when decay triggers? Uh, turn The decay creatures die at the end of combat. So, you know, I if i am got my decks up in a way, I can go to end of combat and go, oh, all those triggers on the sac sacrifice, I'm just going to end the turn and keep them. Yeah. Can you uh, sundial of the infinite to just end the turn? So you just steal On your turn, yes, you can. Yeah. So you put the uh, decay trigger on, on the sack and then just end the turn. And, and then Conjurer's Closet also bounces it and puts it back into your under your control. So you can just steal things permanently. There's some work to be done to make that happen. But just on the base level of the floor of your kill spells get you creatures now, that's pretty good. I like trolling people. So And people I in hate EDH you. hate having their stuff stolen. I haven't ever made the leap to playing a blue like steel deck. But I really love black. I already have a Gissa zombie deck. If you ever make one of those, you can tell me how your other play group likes it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Tatiova's mine. Shucks. Well, well she's doesn't not. quite work. But scoop. No. Scoop it into speed. 
So if we're going to talk about Commander, I'll talk about one of the Commander cards I thought was kind of cool. Dire Strain Rampage. Yep. Uh, one green, red. So three mana total. Destroy... There's nine lines of text. So let me read this. Deep breath. Destroy target artifact, enchantment, or land. If a land was destroyed this way, its controller may search their library for up to two basic lands, put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Otherwise, its controller may search their library for a single basic land, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Flashback for three green red. So this card is very flexible, and that's what I look for in a, in a card in general, especially removal. So this is great removal where um, land, creature, I'm sorry, not creature, land, artifact, enchantment. Yep. Plenty cards in Commander especially that I'm willing to give you a land to destroy Gaius Cradle, Panharmonicon, um, sm Smothering Tithe, Coat of Arms, Eldrazi Monument. These are things I'm like, absolutely, Matt. You can have a land. You can't have Gaius Cradle. Or if it hits turn three, turn four, and I'm really willing to accelerate my game plan, I can nuke my own basic forest, get two basic forests, or fix my mana. Yep. That's really flexible. And especially with flashback later in the later in the game where I played it on my stuff on turn three, ramped to five mana so that on turn four, I can kill Matt's whatever. One of the things you always feel bad about in EDH is throwing away your enchantment removal early. Yep on just kind of like value stuff or like kind of obnoxious cards that yeah. not, aren't necessarily game-breaking, but stuff that can kind of snowball. Yes. I mean, the perfect example would be... I think Smothering Tide is a great example. Yeah, Smothering Tide, Smothering Tide Ristic is not, Study. It, 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 it doesn't win you the game, but yeah. Smothering Tide is going to make you win the game. And I, as soon as I see Smothering Tide, I want to kill it right now. Now, it is a sorcery. That's, kinda, that's definitely a strike on it, but still, I want to remove your Smothering Tide. But if I, on turn four, remove your Smothering Tide, and then on turn seven, you throw out a solitary confinement. Yeah. Okay, well, that's Those more are important totally now. different, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, you play and solitary confinement. And it's just sitting in the graveyard going. Someone else does something. You know, The ability to throw this multiple times. Flashback is such a powerful mechanic. The yeah. ability to reuse cards. Well, and this is just a tip for EDH players. A lot of EDH players, and this is not meant in a mean way, a lot of EDH players are casual. Oh, for sure. Casual players. I think a lot of so, magic players are casual. Correct. So one of the things... One of the little advantages you can get from flashback cards is just letting your opponent know you uh -huh. have them. Yeah. So, hey, don't play that. I'll kill it. Yep. Matt and has... then you can use that one kill spell to keep three cards from your opponent's hands just sitting in their hand because they don't want to be the guy who plays into a known kill spell. Yep. Matt has trained me to not let someone hold me at gunpoint. Yeah. But a lot of people are very unwilling to break the standstill so to speak where yeah i look over at matt and i know he's got matt shows us hey guys i got a wrath of god coming up okay well none of us want to play any creatures in and now matt has effectively held this game at gunpoint well not only am i holding it at gunpoint i'm generating value mm. without ever having to cast yeah. it i'm i'm basically getting to wrath of god you without getting yep. without because having you're preventing to wrath me of god from establishing a better board Correct. Or, and it's the know. same thing with counter spells obviously you want to play around a counter spell when you can yep but there are times when you need to make them use it because you need to advance your game otherwise. Yeah. You need to throw away something that's not nearly as important but still forces them to play it and then play the thing that actually matters. Boy, that is a tough line to walk. And I'll tell you what, guys, you're going you're gonna to mess that line up a few times. The first couple of times you start trying to do this where you see someone's holding something and you're going to play into it and try and force it to happen, you're going to mess up. And yep. You're going to feel dumb. And it becomes even more complicated with four people but as opposed to two. By the end of it, you will be able to better navigate those types of board states. And 
and pull the victory away from that player holding the game hostage. Yep. I think it's always better to just walk right into it. I was playing against Will the other day. It was a few weeks ago. But he essentially had 51 life and a Aetherflux Reservoir. And we're all kind of looking around at each other going, well, one of us is dead and we just don't know who yet. Yep. And so one, of, so our one of the person sitting next to me goes to somehow destroy the reservoir, the Aetherflux Reservoir, and essentially remove the lethal threat. Will throws out a counterspell to stop it. And I throw my counterspell at it. And Will goes, okay, in response, I'm going to kill you. And that's fine. I died. The game went on. Uh, Will ended up losing shortly after because he killed me with it, went to one life. No, yeah, he's, he kept the Aetherflux Reservoir, but it didn't matter because he was at one life. He got yep. the guy attacked for lethal. Will, in a very fun way, killed me out of spite. We all yep. laughed. It's fine. But sometimes you have to be the guy that falls on the sword. I refuse to let Will hold the game hostage, and I want him to know that. So that next time, maybe he won't slam Aetherflux Reservoir when he has 51 life. Because he knows Jake is totally willing to die to keep you from having that. Yep. And... The more you play with people, the more you establish to them that I'm not afraid of whatever you're going to put out. You're not going to stop me from playing the game. If I die, I die. Yep. We're going to play. Yep. That will affect and how if, they play. If you're going to play Aetherflux Reservoir, I'm going to make you go down to one. Yep. Exactly. So I may die, but guess who's coming with me? And that's why it was funny because yep. Will looked at me and goes, well, Jake, we're both dead. Yep. And that's nukes exactly me, what goes to one, now he's dead. Because obviously the solution would be just let your Aetherflux Reservoir die. You're at 50. I'm at 30. We're fine. But he wanted had the fun, and we had the fun. Yep. But we didn't spend the next five turns watching Will gain seven or eight life a turn and finally kill me and, and finally kill Aramis. Side note, that's why Stifle is so powerful in EDH. It's a good <laughs> so card. when he pays 50 life, oh my you play one blue, he loses the game, you don't. <laughs> Stifle looks like a boring, unfun card. Throw it in your deck. It's yeah. a, it's running. You, you don't understand how many cards that we play regularly that rely on triggers. Yep. It's stupid. Triggers are activated abilities are the basically yeah. the backbone of EDH. So, especially ETBs. I mean, EDH if you if you throw out something like Toper Orb in EDH, that radically changes oh. what in any almost any EDH. Toper Orb is a good card in Legacy. Um and in Modern. So, side note, a whole discussion on better Legacy or better uh, EDH play. If you guys are interested in a like a discussion on some of the tips and tricks we have to give you playing EDH, by no means are we like CDH level players. We we play some CDH, but we're not we're not gonna go take down tournaments. We're not we're not gonna we don't win every game we play, but we're very confident in how we play EDH. If you guys want kind of a episode on just tips and tricks and and mentalities and the way to play EDH and the way to manipulate advantages and disadvantages. Let us know. Hit us up on uh, our email, cantripcartel at gmail.com. Check out our Discord at the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Network Discord. We'd love to hear it. We'd, we'd love to record that episode. We might do it no matter what. But basically, if you ask us to, we'll do it sooner. Yep, and that's we've got a, uh, a channel in there specifically for it's our Like I'm 5 channel. Yes, our requests, um, which requests. you guys haven't gotten to hear any yet, but we're coming out with some soon. That's supposed to yep. be our kind of our supplementary. Basically, uh, it's a little bonus content. Yeah, some bonus content that we'll kind of throw up at random intervals on random days. So. Keep your keep your ears out for that. Make sure and hit that bell icon so you see when we upload on a random Friday or random Tuesday. Yep. So the Back last card I wanted to talk about um, is Unnatural Growth. It's four green mana and a generic for an enchantment. At the beginning of each combat, each combat, double the power and toughness of each creature you control until end of turn. So, Timmy? 
Is yes. Timmy big? Yes. This, yes. this is this is just Timmy. This is Timmy, and I'm not a Timmy, but I do have a Xenogos EDH deck, and I cannot wait. Like it's already got a couple other methods of doubling power and toughness and that effect. I can't wait to double it, then double it, then a swing with a Mage Slayer equipped and just kill somebody. That's what I live for in EDH. <laughs> There's two things I love. I love stacks and I love big guys <laughs> in EDH. My Marin deck is my kind of pseudo stack deck and Xenogoss is swinging with big dudes. I hate stacks. Yep. Although I've been trying to get better about not hating stacks because I want to, I don't want to just hate something because it's kind of unfun to play against. I want to get better at playing against it, but yep. boy, I hate stacks. The trick with stacks that I found that kind of got me over that hurdle is I I try to look at every single game of Magic as a puzzle that I'm trying to solve, and stacks makes a it just makes a different puzzle. How do I beat this deck when everything costs two more mana and I sacrifice a thing at every turn? And like there are ways to do it. You Sometimes know, you get locked out. You know how we talked about players don't like having their things taken. Yep. Stop taking my mana. No. <laughs> I played my lands. I want to use them. I'm going to cast Contamination, and you're just going to deal with it. <laughs> no one knows what Contamination does, because so it printed 20 years ago. is a uh, three-mana enchantment, two generic mana, and a black. So turn three. Yes, turn three. Ideally, it, it potentially could be sooner. But it's not... Contamination isn't one of the cards you kind of, like, force out. You have to kind of be... You got to be tricky oh, with tell it. Tell them what it does. And they'll so know what Contamination does is each land produces one black mana instead of whatever else it would produce. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you have to sacrifice a creature. Does it does it turn fetch lands off? Do they still have the ability to it search? It still has, yes. It's, you can still fetch, but anything you fetch is then, basically it's whenever they are tapped for mana. So Guy's Cradle doesn't produce seven green. It produces one black. Yep. Island so, does not produce a blue. because it It's not, not non-basics. Yep. It's lands. It's all lands. So, so unless you're running black in your deck. Yep. You have no access to mana. Now right. there is a drawback. Yep. Of sacrificing a creature on your upkeep. So if you can't keep casting creatures, you can't keep the enchantments. Yes. But, but the deck, the card, the deck that I play that card in the most is my Marin deck. And the sacrifice clause is a, a benefit more than yep. anything. It allows me to reuse stuff like I love deranged hermit because I love squirrels and I love elves. It's been a good year for Matt. <laughs> yes, it, it has been. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we got squirrels. We're getting elf stuff. We're getting cyberpunk like I'm pretty happy, um, so you, you get it allows me to reuse my ETBs and whatnot. Yep, Marin, while preventing everyone else from playing Magic. That's one of those cards. The you don't typically bring those kind of cards out. Like I don't even play my Marin deck unless I'm playing with people who are very serious about winning. Like it's not a CEDH deck, but it's pretty close. We should briefly mention Marin of Clan Neltoth. Essentially, every time you have a creature die, you get an experience counter. And then at the end of your turn, you can put a creature card from your graveyard into your hand unless its CMC is less than or equal to your experience counters. And then it just comes into play. Yeah. So you're constantly putting creatures back into play. It also pairs really well with Bitter Blossom, yep. a two-mana enchantment that essentially makes a creature every turn. So, so it's going to make me a creature. I'm going to sacrifice yep. that to Contamination. And, we're, and the trick with Marin, at least mine, is I use a lot of mana-producing um, creatures in order to generate my other thing. So all my lands still tap for black, while all my creatures tap for green. Yep. That's one of the reasons why you don't want to necessarily power it out super early, because you need to get a few creatures or artifacts that, per, that can produce mana so you can break the parity of it. And there's another card, Winter Orb, which is two mana for an artifact that uh, each player can only untap one land per turn. In the same realm of that, you want to try to kind of catch your opponents off guard. 
So you want to, with contamination, you don't want to play into something where somebody could just float enough mana to nature's claim it or disenchant it. Because then it's just, you know, gone. And the same thing with Winter Orb. You don't want to play Winter Orb when you are behind on mana. Like, as far as untapped mana. You want to wait till your opponents tap out and then, haha, gotcha, two mana, you don't untap your seven lands. Yeah. The stacks effects are a very, they're the natural counter to ramp and value decks. The problem is, for whatever reason, people don't like playing against stacks. They'd rather just lose to the, <laughs> to the ramp decks. So instead of playing a longer game where you have a shot, they'd rather just lose on turn eight. So I love stacks. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm in quiet because I hate you, stacks. <laughs> you have to, this is one of the things, like I don't just go to a tournament and play stacks. Or uh, I shouldn't say tournament. I don't go to a card shop and sit down with three strangers and play a stack stack. Yeah. That is allowed within the rules of EDH. You have to have a little bit of, I mean, just knowledge of what people like. Like yeah. I have, and that's that's one of the things that's what I use my Xenogos. Like for. those are those are high salt score cards. The right. idea that people hate playing them, people hate playing against them. So, yeah. so you, you, you break go, those out with like your play group that you warned it was going to happen. Correct. You go, hey guys, I'm new. I've got a fun little Xenogos deck that attacks with dragons. It's literally you know EDH dot deck basically. Yeah. Ramp, play big dudes, attack guys. You know that Double kind their of power thing. toughness. Hey guys, for a bunch. that was a really fun game. Does anyone have any like more serious decks? Yeah. No? Okay, cool. Then I'll just keep playing Xenogoss and we'll just have a great night. Oh, you have a couple solid decks too? Cool. How about we play something a little more serious? So, and I, I'm i super excited about that. Super excited about un, uh, Unnatural Growth. Yep. It's, it's a, a super fun. That's card. a really fun, good Timmy card to get thrown into Commander. Yep. It's, it's just cool. one of those things that, like, yes, in theory, it could be, it could see play in something like Standard. It I won't. don't think it will. It won't. But I mean, it's four <laughs> green pips. It because the effect is very strong because it doubles all your creatures' power. Yeah. So it is very similar to something like Overwhelming Stampede, and in the same sense, like it that you play it during your main phase, you move into combat. It's an you immediate get it this effect. Turn. You get it this turn. Yeah. So the question there would be: Is Overwhelming Stampede in mono green an effect that is going to be popular in standard? Probably not, because there's. You're gonna have a really hard time splashing for a four green pip card. Yeah, I mean, I mean this is you have to build your deck to it has yeah. to be that kind of deck. Xenogoss is gonna be a bit of a stretch. That's that's only two colors. All right. So moving on away from the Timmies, let's jump into uh, I've got two more cards to talk about. And this one is gonna be I'm calling a modern staple and maybe legacy playable. So we spoke earlier about how adding one mana to a card may or may not break it. Yep. The idea that it costing two versus one might be too much, but it's it's still in the realm. Faithless men or sorry, faithful mending, blue white. You gain two life, draw two cards, then discard two cards. Flashback one blue white. That sounds very reminiscent of this card called Careful Study. <laughs> I was thinking is, faithless looting. I know, but <laughs> I know that was. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like this it's is obviously a, supposed to be an homage to faithless looting. Yep. Um. One of the more powerful cards ever printed. It's banned in most of the formats it's legal in. It just enables such crazy shenanigans. Faith, uh, Faithless looting is one red to do... Uh, draw two, discard two. Draw two, discard two, and then flashback for two and a red. This gives you a little bit of life gain chalked on that, but does the same thing, and then flashback for one blue-red. It's obviously harder to cast because we have two pips instead of one. Yep. It's two mana instead of one. This is, But this is going to be, I think, the premier discard spell you're discard draw spell you're going to see in modern period 
uh, standard probably too, historic probably too. You might even see it in Legacy because Blue White would love to have access to some life gain. This is definitely a suboptimal um, card filter where we have the great cantrips that move through cards very efficiently. Yeah, this is not efficient, but I think there's the potential for some legacy decks to be able to deal with that in exchange for a little bit of life gain and you're still moving through your cards. We've got lots of ways to abuse our graveyard and legacy. So a blue white control deck that throws some more, I mean, blue white green, you Uro's a great card to discard. You've got some great opportunity to discard these cards. Well, and not only is Uro a great card to discard, but discarding cards when you have Uro in your deck. The, so yeah, the you, big thing that I, when I look at these kind of cards, I don't just run that if I don't have some way to gain value off the discard. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm not going to pay two mana like to go down a card. Healing salve is not a good card. Exactly. And that's basically what that card is. It's a little bit of filtering with a healing, a bad healing salve. Yeah. But if what I'm doing is discarding cards towards Snapcaster Mage, towards I'm either discarding Uro or I'm discarding uh, cards to feed Uro's escape cost, then you're talking about getting a little bit of value to make up for that card disadvantage. And that's where you go from the realm of, ah, I don't really want this to, this might be playable. Yeah. You should test this. Yeah, if you're only getting drawback from that discard, then maybe you shouldn't look at playing it. Yeah. But if you can turn any of that into a positive, this card's this Which card's is very nuts. easy to do. And that, I mean, Especially that's, in that's the exactly why Faithless Looting saw the play that it did, yeah. is that, that discarding two cards sounds bad I mean, until you realize the fact that the graveyard is just an it's not your discard pile anymore it's just another hand yeah for a lot of it, decks. historic is arguably one of the newest eternal formats and that it's a non-rotating format faithless looting became an instant staple when it got brought in with um the mystical archives so this card is going to be bonkers i think if you're not looking at this card and like shaking your head at how powerful it is i think you're sleeping yeah, that's that's like one of my calls is this card is stupidly strong. It's the big thing with me is it needs to find a deck. Faithless looting is very splashable and this isn't quite as splashable. Did I tell you it was an instant? Yeah, I know. I saw and that that is a big deal. Yeah, because faithless um, looting is a sorcery. Being able to end step this on your opponent's turn. It's it's very strong. Yeah. You basically uh don't get me wrong, I am not quote sleeping on this card. I get it. I need to, I want to see what decks it go in. I want to see some testing. It absolutely deserves to be tested. Whether or not it, you know, whether or not it turns out to be a brutal card like Faithless Looting or just somewhere in between. The yeah. card we talked about was a Careful Study. That's the card I was joking around. Yep. It's Faithless Looting without the flashback. It's yep. one blue, blue, draw two, discard two. Yeah. That, to me, was what I've kind of talked about making that card modern legal. I don't think it is. And I think it would be an interesting Kind of like with Glimpse, to Na Glimpse of Nature and uh, Rites of Harmony, where it's just like, let's see what Faithless Looting looks like if it's a little bit worse. Yeah. This is definitely that. This is that. It's a little bit worse. Yep. It's a little bit worse. So, you know, Faithless Looting, as far as this effect goes, is a 10. This is like an 8 or a 9. So yeah. let's see if I'd an 8, eight or a 9 I'd is I'd say 8.5. Yeah. Because that double pip is serious. Yeah, but still. But the instant, man, the instant might put it to a 9. I wonder if... So one of the decks that kind of, uh, with the Faithless Looting ban... They kind of like was collateral damage was uh, those Arclight Phoenix decks. Yeah. I wonder if you could run a Jeskai Arclight Phoenix deck. Three, I, don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about the archetype to know, but it's faithful suiting. For, Good. It's it's not quite as fast. I mean, you don't get and this. I mean, this is by design. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, even with the name. Wizards looks at faithless looting. They go, that's too powerful. Yep. How can we tone that down a little bit with and still make it playable? Yeah. So I'm curious to see what I'm excited. I, I want to see 
Yeah, it, it's very cool. And I was, I you were both excited. I'm, yeah. but I'm really excited. I was really determined to take that card. I want to talk about it. Yeah. I'm excited about uh, faithful mending. I was not surprised when faithless looting was banned, but I don't, I didn't necessarily agree with that ban. It, to me, it was one of the victims of Hogak. Where yeah. they were trying to do anything, Wizards was trying to do anything but ban Hogak. Yep, because it was still because it was packs. still selling packs, and it was selling packs because Hogak was taking up like seventy to eighty percent of the metagame at major yeah. tournaments. Well, so we're like we're sitting duh. here complaining. Delver's kind of thirty-ish percent, probably too much. I think everyone can agree Hogak at seventy is too much. Yeah, and Wizards agreed. Yes, but they kind of drug their feet a little bit, and that's something we'll get to here in a minute. They drug their feet a little bit, and. They were like, well, let's try to get rid of Bridge from Below. And then mm -hmm. that didn't work. And it was like, in fact, the funny thing is they banned Bridge from Below and the deck got better yep. because people were playing Bridge from Below's just kind of as a matter of course. It has to. Like, well, and then they're like, oh, well, what else can we throw in here? Yeah, the deck got better. Yep. And then they're like, well, we need to get rid of Hogak, clearly. And uh, Faithless Looting was kind of collateral damage there. I would have liked to, seen, to have seen what the metagame looked like with no Hogak and Faithless Looting. I'm not a big fan of it was the same thing with Mox Opal. Like they print cards that are clearly beyond the pale with what should what a normal magic card mm -hmm. should do. And then they ban a card that's been fine in the format for 10 years. Yep. Like I hate that. Yeah. So like Urza gets printed and now Urza decks are a problem. So we ban Mox Opal. And it's like, well, they they ban Mox Opal because Mox Opal doesn't sell packs anymore. Yeah. But Urza still does because he's Urza still, still does. Yep. And then what you're left with is a format that has fewer enfranchised players because every as we've discussed multiple times, yeah. every time you ban a card, you're going to have fewer players in that format. Mm -hmm. Now, you may be able to recoup those in the future, but there are people who had their uh, Mox Opals banned and they played Affinity, which was nowhere... I mean, it was a playable deck, but it certainly wasn't dominating the metagame. Yeah. Then they lose their deck and they're done with Modern now. Yep. Yeah, so. I, we talked about if my Legacy deck got banned tomorrow, I'm probably done with Legacy. Right. At least Paper Legacy. So. Correct. Uh, moving on, I got one more card I want to talk about. This is definitely a standard card. If it was, just, I don't know why this was interesting to me. The Celestis, uh, three mana, uh, basically taps to add one mana of any color. It's a legendary artifact. So if it's neither night or day, it becomes day when it enters the battlefield. Night and day is the new werewolf mechanic where uh, most of your werewolf cards, and I think some of the vampires, do they flip back and forth between night exactly. and day? Exactly. They track. So there's a yep. day bound and a night bound. So if it's day, the day bound is in. If it's night, the night bound is in. Get to track City's Blessing, Monarch, Night and Day, yep. Poison Counters, Commander yeah, Damage. It is just it's <laughs> one more thing for us to track, so I'm not happy about that. Um, but it was it's an interesting card. Three mana for a, a mana rock of any color. And then it has this ability where you can pay three and tap it, and then if it's night, it becomes day. Otherwise, basically change it. Night yep. becomes day or day becomes night. You can only do it as a sorcery. But it has this other ability that whenever day becomes night or vice versa, you gain a life and then you may draw a card and discard a card. Something about that just really struck me. Like, I think people will sleep on that in a world where if you're playing werewolf tribal, which you've got where, you know, you've got Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow to get some good day night tribal stuff. If you're playing day night tribal, this card is going to be tons of free looting between your turn and your opponent's turn, constantly switching back and forth day to night. I don't know. Three mana for a mana ramp usually isn't good enough for standard. But if it comes attached with, let's say, three free loots in a game, yeah, that might change that. And so, where's the line there? Like, 
yeah, I saw that. I don't know why. I don't play a ton of standard, but that really struck me. If you're playing standard, if you're looking at standard, I would keep that on your radar. If one, if day night becomes a deck in standard period. And two, if you're going to play day night, you're going to be, you're going to be changing it to what you want. And your opponents can be changing it back as much as you guys can. That's just free looting. You're not going up on cards, but you're going up on card selection. And that's something worth thinking about. Yeah. And I mean, there's going to people be people like me who are, you know, I don't particularly dig on werewolves, but there's going to be some werewolf stands out there who are just like, I'm playing werewolf in standard. I don't care if it's good or not. Yeah. Well, this is the card for you. No, and it's the same thing with EDH. Again, what we're like, there's going to be werewolf decks that's going to go in basically 100%. every werewolf. Yeah. That's, I think it has, I think it's potential. I thought it was a cool card. So yeah. it's a, it's great design. Yeah. And that's what that's one of the things Jake and I talk about a lot is there's a difference between something like Ragavan, who's very powerful. Ragavan's kind of a boring card, in my opinion. He's yep. not particularly interesting. He's just very, very strong. He just does what you want him to do. Every that card time. is great design. It's something interesting. It's very niche. It maybe it's a little low on the power level, mate. I mean, for something, obviously Wizards was gonna know what they're set and where they want their power level at better than I do. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you wanted to tune it up, just change it to draw a card. It has several hoops you have to jump through. Yeah. Like paying four mana to draw a card. Is that even good enough? That's the, well, it's questionable whether that's even good enough, but it happens whenever it changes. Yeah. So that's the cool thing about it. Like you can do the pay mana to make it happen if you got nothing else going on, but it also just happens. And it's even a may. So if you look at your hand, if you don't, for whatever reason you don't want to draw, you don't have to yep. again. Options are always good. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where that's interesting design to me. Yeah. It, yes, you could, you know, you could crank the dial on that and tune it up to 11 somehow. But you don't have to to make fun, exciting cards. They just have to fill a role in fun, exciting decks. Yep. This 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 style of niche design. We've officially talked about spoilers for almost 40 minutes, which we're coming up. I think we're a little over our hour. So we're getting to kind of the tail end of our episode. Was there anything else you want to talk about? Speaking of fun and interesting design, Popper has some news. <laughs> oh, yeah. What happened in Popper recently, Matt? So, with uh, Modern Horizons yeah. 2, uh, there's a card called Chatterstorm. What does that do? So, it's two mana for a sorcery. Uh, create a 1-1 one, one squirrel token. Uh, storm. Doesn't seem that bad. Yeah. The problem with Storm and Popper is Popper does not have the access to answers that most other formats do. Since it's commons only, you have relatively weaker answers not necessarily bad but not necessarily you don't have something like plague engineer you can just drop that and name squirrel and all of a sudden their chatter squirrels chatter, their squirrels are you know yeah. gone. if you look at the popper band list about half of it is storm cards <laughs> <laughs> and for whatever reason wizards decided to print chatter storm as a common yep I called this, I was on a podcast uh, several months ago. The Family Gathering. The Family Gathering. A couple of, buddy, couple of buddies of mine do that. Uh, check it out. It's a great podcast. And we were talking about these spoilers, and I was like, well, I think Chatterstorm is just going to be a deck in and of itself. If you look at the van list, Empty the Warrens is on it. It costs four, and you get two goblins. Chatterstorm costs two, and you get one squirrel. It was, I mean, if you know anything about Popper, you could see this coming a mile away. So... What happened recently was the metagame was so bad with between Chatterstorm and Affinity, which we'll talk about in a second, that people were going to these preliminaries online and running decks full of basic lands as a way to protest because Wizards has drugged their feet for an entire set. Yep. Like, 
Modern Horizons came out, and we're now getting spoilers for Innistrad. It comes out in, I think, uh, two, th- two weeks we have Correct. an official release. So it's been long enough, and the metagame has solidified and been solidified as you basically have Shatterstorm, Affinity, and Delver. And those three decks make up approximately 60% of the metagame. And people have just, I mean, it's, it's, it's practically, I don't want to say killed Popper, but the interest in Popper has just dramatically diminished. Yep. Because it's so it's such an uninteresting format it's it's rock paper scissors but rock paper scissors is fine with archetypes not with decks yeah there should not be literally rock paper scissors yep. what deck did you bring did what you, deck did you bring of the three correct so that chatterstorm that got banned quite the statement to make so not yes. so we didn't just skip a tournament which is totally reasonable you don't like the meta you skip a tournament no we showed up we logged in we put our pants on today and we registered and 60 basic lands. We put in 60 islands, and that's our deck. Yeah. And the preliminary had, if I remember correctly, three of the top four decks were like that. So this wasn't just one guy who's just had enough. This was enough of the people who play Popper seriously were tired of this. Yep. So pretty funny. You know, Wizards was like, okay, fine. <laughs> like if, if if events aren't going to fire, clearly we need yeah. to do something. Whether the numbers justify it or not, this is one of the things Jake and I have talked about when you're talking about bands. If the format sucks, the format sucks. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's, quote, diverse. It doesn't matter if the percentages line up or if people don't want to play your format, something needs to change. Yeah. You can argue over what that change should be. I think it's pretty obvious in this case. Chatterstorm needs to go. Yep. Um, one of the things, the other deck that was performing very well was Affinity. What's that card? It's Sojourner's... Oh, I don't know. It's basically Mirror Enforcer with land cycling on it. It's got artifact land cycling. Artifact land cycling. But it's a seven mana four four with affinity. affinity. Yeah. So basically that gave affinity enough redundancy in the free four four department. Exactly. That not only does it fix your mana, which is a little historically was a little bit of an issue with uh affinity and popper. There's a push and pull a little bit. This is another thing I talked about on Family Gathering. There's a push and pull a little bit with your mana because you want to run these the monocolored artifact lands. Well, you can only run four of each, right? Yep. So you need to fix your mana in some way. That's one of the things I said when these lands came out. I was like, pop those in. Well, we've got, you brush over. We did. Yeah. We got artifact We lands. got artifact duels. Dual artifact lands that come into play tapped and are indestructible. Correct. So all of that is relevant text. Yes. They're very, very good lands for affinity. Yep. Um, they, they fix that problem where you don't have to run, you know, a couple actual mountains or a couple islands yeah. to be able to hit your right, the hit the correct colors when you need to. You can just run artifact lands and in affinity if if you haven't played it every artifact land it's a land comes into play tapped for the normal ones the ones from Marodin that produce one color but since they're artifacts affinity makes any any card you play with affinity for artifacts Meriden lands don't come into play tapped no they come into play untapped I thought you said tapped no sorry the the Meriden ones come into play untapped gotcha. the new ones come into play tapped but it basically makes all your lands produce at least two mana at least and it potentially more yep because you can reuse that effect your frog might you get to pay one mana for the frog might, and then the land counts toward your affinity. Correct. So especially if you get to, and the, then your frog might then counts towards yeah. affinity. You get to the point where yeah, you've got two lands and two frog mites, and you're dropping seven, uh, four fours. Yeah, you're dropping four fours. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's crazy. So, having mirror enforcers uh, five through eight was probably that, just a little too much. That's what it was. The mirror enforcer one, two, three, and four were fine, but when you start getting eight of a card, that's when you start ensuring you're going to see two or three a game. Yep. So the idea was that. Your opponent can probably deal with the first Mirror Enforcer, maybe the second. But now we're seeing Mirror Enforcer 3 and 4 coming out early. Yep. And this is one of the things we were talking about earlier with the answers in Popper just quite 
aren't quite there. Mm-hmm. Dealing with a 3-3 in Popper is perfectly reasonable. Lightning bolts everywhere. Yep. Dealing with a 4-4 is very difficult. Now, you do have some answers. They are artifacts. There's There are some, you know, just artifact removal, that gorilla shaman, stuff like that, mm-hmm. that gets played. But it's a lot different when your lightning bolts don't hit because a lot of the cards that remove artifacts are just not very good cards. They're good against affinity and not really anything else. So you don't really, you can't put too many of them in your deck. Whereas if a 3 3 or your 2 2 with Frogmite, Frogmite, Lightning Bolt, cool, we're done. Yeah. That when you can't answer those and then you take Mirror Enforcer and then give it another ability on top of that, it wasn't enough that it was a free 4 4. It also has land cycling. Options are always good. Out. So that card, I think, perfectly justifiable that it was gone. Um, they've talked about um, one of the concerns with Popper is that when they ban these two cards, there's going to be some other decks that take over. It's one of the things they talked about in the band announcement where they're going to keep track of Popper, I guess. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We definitely will this time. Yeah, we promise we won't screw it up too bad this time. And if anything becomes uh, dominant because of these bands, which happens a lot, you have these kind of cascading bands where you take out the top deck. Well, that deck was actually keeping in check deck yeah. C. Deck C was only slightly worse than deck A, and now deck C is dominant. Yeah. And they they were just like, we're going to wait and see if that, we don't want to ban a bunch of cards on the off chance that something does take over. We're going to wait and see what happens, which I think is the correct call. Yeah, Again, sure. we're we're very, Jake and I like uh, using a scalpel yeah. for bans. You don't, you ban one card at a time. Yeah. I I don't mind when they ban cards when it improves a format, but you can't ban four cards at a time and, in my opinion, guarantee that you aren't doing any unnecessary harm. Yep. And I... So far, I, you know, we I spend half my day just reading about magic. I haven't really seen any major complaints. There's people, you know, just like everything, there's going to be people who think they didn't go far enough or, you know, that was their pet deck. Nice thing about Popper is, well, you can literally just buy another one. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and I have zero. This is one of the things. If you buy the tier zero deck, that's on you. If you buy Chatterstorm after it's been dominant for six weeks, because you just want to, you know, it, you in the short term, you want to win some games. That's fine. But when that card eventually gets banned, that's on you. You don't get to come crying to anybody because you bought the you bought the deck that was 40% in the meta yeah. when you know that Wizards isn't going to allow this to go on for very long. Popper's probably the only format that, while I am 100% against bans, and I'm 100% against cards being printed that probably need banned, Popper's kind of okay. I feel bad yeah. people playing Popper, but... Your popper deck costs a new, let's say a new popper deck costs like fifty bucks, fifty eighty bucks, and a lot of the cards go in multiple decks. And yeah. now, obviously, Chatterstorm is going to have cards that are very specific. Yep. But a lot of the stuff from Chatterstorm could probably go back into Cycling Storm. They left Galvanic Relay, which is another pseudo Storm oh, card. That's a good card. That card is so, so good. Like, there's potential that Storm is even still a deck. It's just not quite as the fast deck. or as strong. So good news in that front. So. You know, time to sleeve up Popper again. Go check it out. Uh, I love Popper. I think yep. it is. It's a great it's, format to play an MTGO because it costs like $3 for a deck. Right. The cool thing about Popper is it uses a lot of old cards, but it still does, does blend in some new stuff too. Mm-hmm. And you get to play some, you'll see cards in Popper that you didn't even know existed. And the games, the power level of Popper is very high. People mm-hmm. mistake the, the fact that uh, it's just commons. They think it's just going to be playing, you know, crappy cards. But it's the best of the yeah. commons. 
you know, it's not your draft chaff. It's brainstorm, ponder, preordain, lightning bolt, chain lightning, delver of secrets. Like, I mean, there's a ton of really, of really, really good, cards. good cards. Yep. That were printed 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, 20 years ago, commons, commons used to be good. Were a lot more powerful. And the cool thing is now you do you still get some commons that filter in, and that's that's the way these eternal formats should be. Where again, you don't want them designing cards for popper necessarily, but it's nice when something they go oops, yep. and then you get a cool popper card. Well, I think this is going to be our longest episode yet, yep. but it's a big week for Magic. We moves. really enjoy talking about spoilers. I love seeing new cards. It's kind of one of the. It's a weird spot we're in where product fatigue is very real. I think there's too many sets and there's too many spoilers. But it is still fun seeing some cool cards. Yep. So we had a Especially lot of fun. Especially when they're, like we said, nothing look, nothing here looks super broken. Doesn't, yeah. It, they, these just look like fun, well-designed cards. Yep. We went through and found one or two cards that we thought might go in Legacy. We found one or two cards we thought might go in Modern. But... And a vast array of EDH yep. cards. Yep, that's fine. EDH is totally fine to get a bunch of new toys. So I think we're going to wrap this episode up. If you ever want to reach out to us, cantripcartel at gmail.com is our direct email we will read every one of those if you send us an email and give us permission we'll read it on air yep. check us out on the Planeswalkers podcasting network discord we are proud members of the Planeswalkers podcasting network will and aramis run their episodes they live stream it on tuesdays on twitch they put their episodes are yes i believe they put their episodes up on wednesdays check them out great podcast standard oriented uh, they run their commander craft on Wednesdays and they're just some really cool guys to chit chat with. You can pop into their discord, pop into their channels and talk to them. Super friendly, super nice. Yeah. That's, that just kind of made me think of something. If you have any questions, just email us. We'd be happy to answer your questions 100%. on the podcast. So, yeah, either privately or on podcast. We're yep. happy to talk with you guys. We've been uh, together. You got almost 30 years of magic sitting at this table. So I, I account for a solid two and a half of it. Hey, that's that's almost 30 years of magic. <laughs> we'll get there one, one way or the it's other. It's some of the most important two and a half, three years of magic. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, feel free to check us out. We've got a Facebook group, Cantrip Cartel. We're going to try and be a little more active posting in that. We hope to see you guys there. Is there anything else you want to talk about today, Matt? No, I think we're good. Well, uh, I think we're going to sign out then. All right. Have a nice night, guys. Ooh, uh, in response to moving into stuff.